Hey friends, welcome to the Cultivate Hope podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Robinson, and I want to invite you to come alongside me as we hear stories, gain wisdom, and even some helpful tools from some of my friends. These are people who have experienced challenging seasons of life that have tested their faith. We can all learn from those who've dug those deep trenches and have found their way to the other side of hopelessness. So let's start digging together and cultivate hope. Y'all, today's topic is one I think every one of us can identify with. How many of us have felt at one point or another like we have split ourselves down the middle and gave one half to one group of people and the other to another group of people? And we do it based on others' perceptions, expectations, and acceptance of us. But how stressful is that? Trying to remember which side of us will be welcomed at any given moment? Today, my younger but much taller brother, Sean Eslick, joins us to share his story of living this very lifestyle. Until one day, when running from the truth, crashed him straight into it. I am so honored and grateful to have him on the podcast today, sharing something so personal and vulnerable. So would you join me in welcoming my brother, Sean? Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad you're here. So the first thing I ask every guest when they come on the show, as you know, is how would you define hope? That is a really good question. And I was thinking about this for probably about an hour uh, the other day, trying to just figure out what's my best definition versus like what's just the Merriam-Webster definition but um i would say like excitement for what's to come or a desire for something to take place that hasn't really happened yet i like that that's excitement and desire those are two words we have not had used yet so i like that one of the things you're going to share today is about where your whole story began and this idea of living a double life and the kind of burden that that is and how it also led to you finding your true identity and who you really are in Christ. And I know that that place, while it can be fun to be living in, for lack of better terms, sin or to be living in secrecy, that's always fun. It's not that it's not fun, but it's fun for a time. And at some point it gets exhausting. And so I want you to share kind of when that life came to a head and what that time looked like for you. Yeah, so I would say that it, it was in high school when all this kind of started to happen where mainly, primarily my senior year of high school, right. I started that summer prior to my senior year is when I started kind of hanging out with my friends, getting into stuff that I shouldn't be getting into such as like underage drinking and the first time that ever happened I was kind of I don't want to say peer pressured because it's just it's a tough term I don't know if that fully like accurately describes it sure I get that but um, it definitely wasn't something that I suggested by any means Mm -hmm. but at the same time I was such a people pleaser that I didn't want to turn down an opportunity to be hanging out with uh, the quote-unquote cool kids. (laughs) We get that, yep. And so uh, that being the case, that happened, and then it just kind of escalated more and more and more Mm -hmm. to the point where we were doing things that were just so dumb, and it became a weekly thing, and sometimes even like a two, three times a week type of deal. And it was just because, I mean, we're high school students. We don't have that much on our plate. Right. And it was, it just seemed like the cool thing to do at the time. So I, I continue to do this and it caused me to be extremely closed off to my family. And it just, it made me feel extremely isolated. The reason for that being is because I was isolating myself intentionally because I didn't want anybody to see the other side to what I was doing. Right. And so that being the case, my relationship with mom and dad wasn't as good as I had hoped. My relationship with you and Steven wasn't probably that great at that time. And it's gotten tremendously better. I'd say you and me are probably the tightest we've ever been at this point. I have to agree. 
which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that all that all kind of happened, and um, it all came to a big halting stop, if you will, in between my senior and freshman, my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. I was underage drinking with um, a friend of mine, and we ended up getting pulled over, and uh, it was utterly terrifying. It yeah. was like uh, I had never. I was like, my life's over. This is it. I'm supposed yeah. to go to college in two weeks. Yeah, I two weeks before two you're weeks. supposed to college. Yeah, two <laughs> two weeks. weeks before I went to UK. Crazy. Yeah. So I'm like, I, my parents aren't even gonna let me go to college. Like this is this is gonna ruin my life. Like. I wouldn't let, I probably wouldn't let my kid or trust my <laughs> kid to go to college if they're going around drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. So all, yeah, all that happened. I end up at the police station and uh, mom comes in and she's just like, just stone cold, straight faced. And then she comes in and she sets a Bible on my lap Uh-oh. while I'm sitting there. Oh no! And as soon as she does that, I just start bawling my eyes out. Like, it was the most ferocious cry, like, snotty, just nasty. Beautiful. It was, yeah, it, but it's such a mom thing to do. It and is. so uh, that whole thing happened, and I got let off scot-free, which was great. By the grace of by God. Yeah, by the grace of the Lord. Yeah, that was a huge, uh, I think, a huge aspect of the story of kind of where getting to where I am now. Yeah. And I think it's an important detail for people to know, too. You are at a Christian school. This is not like you were, you know, with all these friends who didn't know Jesus or weren't given the word or the truth. It's it's not that. It's that at that point, I mean, who was Jesus to you at that point? What was the Bible like to you at that point? What did that life feel like? You know, you were going to this Christian school, doing Christian studies and reading your Bible for class all the time going to chapel and occasionally going to church when mom and dad made you. (laughs) Um, Which was a lot. Which was a lot. I know. You'd rather sleep in. And I get that. That's very high school, like, basic. I get it. So where did you feel like you were with God at that point? So at that point, I would say I... I still had full belief in everything that I had grown up learning. And I knew that those were, like going to church and everything I knew was right. I knew that was a good thing to be right. involved in the church and to go praise praise God and learn more about him and be involved in the church. I know that's a huge portion. Right. But um, I think the fact that going to that Christian school, being in Christian studies class every day, yeah. going to chapel every Wednesday, being involved in these like different little small groups and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, going to church every Sunday, it just was, I, I felt like I was just getting beaten down with the stuff, yeah. and it didn't feel like something that was my decision, and me being the rebellious person that I am <laughs> didn't like that. Yeah. So, and I think that just comes with me being the youngest, and I just yeah. don't like to go with the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so me feeling like that was not my choice made it really hard for me to fully dive in. Right to everything and want to pursue a relationship with with God so was it more that you had a bad taste in your mouth about person of Jesus or was it like I just don't want to do all the things because I feel like all the things are expected of me when in fact Jesus doesn't really expect anything of us it's more we associate him with all the things because growing up that's all we know. Like at school, being a Christian and learning about Jesus is associated with all the things. We're not really often shown how to be in his presence, how to know the person, how to like sit across the table and have a conversation with Jesus. What did that look like for you as far as like your perception of who Jesus as a person was? To be honest, I I don't think my perception of who Jesus was has I don't think it really ever wavered or changed throughout that I always had that in the back of my mind I think that was one of the things that always kind of separated me a little bit from the friends that I had in high school was that 
that was always there. And that is honestly part of what kept me out of more trouble than I even got in, in my opinion. There were just certain things that I would not partake in and I would not do, even though I was already doing such stupid stuff already that were like almost off limits, red flags because of my beliefs. That, I, like I said, I think that kept me out of a lot of trouble. But my, uh, I think the m- going to a Christian school, growing up, being in all these classes and doing all these things and it feeling more like a job mm. having to do these things right. versus me feeling like I wanted it for myself or intrinsically wanted it. Sure. Because I did. It's not that I didn't. It was just how often it felt like I didn't have the opportunity to ever take time for myself to go after it Mm -hmm. for me. And it was always something that was just, I had to do. I totally get that. I feel like, because we went to the same school Mm -hmm. growing up, I feel like for me, I didn't get into a ton of stuff in high school that just wasn't, I was more of a rule follower, firstborn daughter, Mm -hmm. middle child. But I feel like I always did view the Bible in high school as a textbook. And that's what changed for me the most when I went away and kind of grew up in the Lord is when I realized when the Bible became alive to me and the Holy Spirit really illuminated the words and I learned about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is like the mediary and the relationship. And I felt like for a time in high school, You know, we went to a church when we were younger where the Holy Spirit was super alive and it was very much about relationship and sitting across the table from the Lord and sitting in his presence and really like learning how to cultivate that relationship where when we went to school, it was very much about, okay, let's get knowledge of God. Let's understand why we should know him. Let's understand about him. And it wasn't until later that I learned the demons know all about him. They know every word of scripture by heart. They know everything about him. In fact, while they don't give him glory, they still acknowledge who he is, which essentially is worship. Mm -hmm. So even when we think that our words are like, oh, I know God, and we're saying things like, yeah, God's good. God's great. And you can say those things. So do the demons. They know he's good. They know he's great. They know all of that stuff. There's a word in scripture where, Um, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a Hebrew word when it talks about knowing God and knowing as in almost like an intimate relationship, like with a spouse, like intimacy like that, like knowing as far as like intimacy. And I think we forget that difference. And when I was in high school, I didn't know the difference at all. And I think that's what I see in your story too, is it was the same similar idea of like, we were expected to know all the things about Jesus and do all the things for Jesus but we weren't doing a whole lot with Jesus. Yeah, the, the relational aspect didn't right. feel like it was there that much right. for me. Right. So sitting there and mom throws this Bible on your lap and you're like, I'm not feeling this anyway. What's this going to do? Like, I'm just like, I know in my heart and I feel the conviction of the spirit. Did you feel like an extra conviction on the outside? Like you were feeling it on the inside already because you were like, well, crap. I know this is wrong, and I now I got caught for it, and now I, I doubly know this is wrong. Like, I know beyond no, beyond no, I screwed up. I think that that moment mm-hmm. when I, like, started bawling my eyes out right in front of mom after she did that yeah, was the first time that I had really ever felt exposed or vulnerable yeah. in any way. And so that was, like, newfound territory for me. I had never experienced that. Unfortunately, it was in, like, a really bad way. Because, like, now, I think being vulnerable and being able to be vulnerable with people in general is one of the things that makes my relationship with, like, some of my friends so good is the ability to be vulnerable. And felt like in high school, that wasn't even really an option at all. I felt like if... I was to put myself in a vulnerable state at all, that I would be judged, that Mm -hmm. if I were to talk about anything really having to do with Christianity, like truly, Mm -hmm. that I would, it would be the same way. I would feel judged because just nobody talked about that, like actually outside of school. It was only for school that we ever really talked about that. Right. 
So, and it was, I think that was because it was just something that we had to do. And I was still in that similar boat as right. everybody else, where I think everybody's like, oh, we learn this stuff every day. Like, I've heard enough. Like, yeah. I've, I've just, like, even if I believe it, it's just a lot having this constantly ingrained mm -hmm. every single day. Right. And uh, I think for, for me, the belief and everything was still there. I think for a lot of people, it was completely gone yeah. for a while. And I so, I, and it can come back, obviously, mm -hmm. and I hope it has with a lot of people that I went to school with, but yeah, I think a lot of people were fully turned off to the idea of Christianity versus me. I think it was like a, a lapse mm -hmm. during that period of time and yeah. then kind of made its way back. Tell me what you think about this, because this is a thought I've had too, when it comes to like being in high school, especially going to Christian school and kind of in the situations that we were in and the way we live life with our friends and stuff. I feel like you feel invincible in high school. And I think one of the reasons, even Christians, we feel invincible and almost untouchable is because one, our parents give us, you know, this comfortable life to be able to feel free to live and enjoy being in high school, which is great. Like it's good to be a kid and to enjoy being a kid and being and not having those adult responsibilities yet, that's great. But at the same time, I also feel like there was a missing component of reckoning with the idea that we actually had sin. Because, of course, no one needs a savior if they have nothing they need to be saved from. And if they don't know they have anything they need to be saved from, then they'll never actually feel the need for a savior. And if you don't feel the need for a savior repentance will never actually truly be there because you don't have anything you feel repentant for. And repentance is the first step to salvation. So tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like that's a big component of this pivot between having a belief in God and just kind of like feeling invincible and doing the, I'm living my life and God's a component versus Jesus is my savior I've now chosen this, and the reason I've chosen it is because I've reckoned with the cross, and I understand what that means now. I understand that I needed that because I understand my identity and how my connection was broken, and I need to rectify that. I wouldn't say I'm broken. I'm not broken, but things about the world are broken, and it breaks me down. Therefore, I need a Savior to rectify that. Did you feel that? Yeah, I, I would say if I never had a moment like that, I yeah. mean, who knows where I'd be at right now. Yeah. And even though that wasn't, it, it was a t huge turning point. Yeah. It still took a little bit after that before I really started to make progress in my relationship with God at all. Sure. Because I, like I said, I was two weeks out from college. So you aren't sure at this point if you're even going to go to college or if they're even going to let you go to college. No, I thought it was over. I, was, I yeah. thought my life was over. I was like, I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to, I might probably go to jail. The, I just don't see a future anymore. It's gone. And that's a, it was the scariest feeling I've yeah. ever, it, it's insane. I cannot imagine. I mean, I can, but I can't. By the grace of God and the grace from our parents and mercy from our father in particular, you went to college two weeks later. Start us there. What happened over that freshman year time? What what started this kind of turning of the ship? When I first got to college, I was super excited. I mean, I, I already was like, I the fact that I'm here at all is amazing. And so I got there, and now, even though I had that moment where that whole thing happened, I felt like I had gotten to a place now where I didn't have to hide as much at all from anybody because I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't near anybody. So right. I wasn't near mom and dad. I, I was kind of free. And so the first, I think three or probably three or four weeks, maybe even longer than that, I was just having a time of my life. Yeah. Just like doing everything I was, I had been doing before. Well, you essentially went down for rush, right? Like you were I, planning so on doing that. I was planning on rushing, and I didn't. I didn't end up rushing a fraternity, but I essentially 
went to all the Rush Week events, all the right. parties, everything. Um, we had a buddy who also went there, and he kind of helped us get into a bunch of different parties and stuff. And yeah. So we were doing all that, and I was just, like, having the time of my life. I just have no remorse. I'm, like, just don't have to worry about hiding this from anybody. Cause I'm just here with a buddy of mine. Like, I got nothing to worry about. Did you almost feel like, well, now everybody knows who I am. Like, this is who I am. I'm both these people that I've had to pretend to be two separate people. So now I just am who I am. Everybody knows, and I'm just going to live my life. Yeah, it was oddly, like, liberating in a sense. Sure. But in the worst way because it was bringing out the side of me, the of the two-sidedness to who I am at that time. Yeah. It was bringing out the worst side but it still felt more real than what I was doing before because right. I didn't feel like I was really having to hide anything yeah. anymore because there was nobody to hide from. Mm. So that was going on, and then I had uh, a friend reach out to me. His name's Charlie, and he reached out to all the people who had gone to CHCA, uh, our, our school, and and everybody who was at UK at the time, all the f incoming freshmen, yeah. uh, and basically just said, hey, like, if you guys ever want to hang out, if you want to come and uh, just meet up somewhere and just talk, and I can kind of get you acquainted with some stuff going on here. And um, I don't think I actually replied to that the first time huh, to in that, that group. And I can't remember if he reached out to me specifically, but mm -hmm. I think we knew each other a lot better than he knew uh, the other people that he had reached out to. And I think part of that was because we played basketball together in high school. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think he may have reached out to me another time and was just like, hey, man, I'm, I'm over here at the library outside. Like they had, they had like this big field type thing, this big bowl mm -hmm. where you could go just hang out. And uh, we just went over there and I met him and we started just throwing a football around. And that's kind of how that relationship started. That's awesome. And then after that, I think I, I can't remember super well. I think he invited me to uh, a Campus Crusade for Christ meeting thing that they had on like Wednesday or Thursday nights. And uh, I went to it, but it wasn't something that I was like dying to go to by any means. Right. It was more like I don't have anything else going on and I still like hanging out with Charlie. So yeah. I'll, uh, I'll go, I'll join. And uh, it, it wasn't for me. Like that sure. wasn't my, uh, it, w it just wasn't the best setting for me. Sure. Um, and so that wasn't really a huge turning point. I think mm -hmm. um, we, uh, we started doing like a small group for a little while that I think I actually led, which was shocking um, <laughs> at that time, Shock. especially. That was weird. How and did you get into that role? I I think I think Charlie asked me. He's like, "Do you like, do you want to lead this?" Mm -hmm. And I was like, "I guess so. Sure. Why not?" I love that though because I feel like that makes it so much more real. Because honestly, I think this day and age we get used to the idea and so comfortable and confident in the idea that someone has to be like years into their relationship with the Lord and like really grown in him in order to lead a Bible study where you're all just essentially reading the same words at the same time and discussing it. So really you're just facilitating instead of actually like, you don't have to have this caliber of leadership or this caliber of wisdom and depth in the Lord in order to lead reading his words they're already there you just have to you're just talking about it you know yeah. so i think that's a common misconception that we have in church culture and in christian culture mm -hmm. so i actually love that you felt like i'm unqualified for this i don't know why he would ask me to do this mm -hmm. but i love that you said yes anyways because you're like yeah you cared for him as a friend you were like he cares for me and i want to honor him in this and i feel like I can. And so I'm going to do this because I'm friends with him. So I, I love that you're kind of opening up to what the Lord had for you and opening up to kind of exploring your faith started with someone befriending you just for you. That's yeah. Cool. And, and so the, the crazy thing about it too, I think part of the reason why I was drawn to it was because with me not ending up like rushing or anything or getting affiliated with some sort of organization on campus. Mm -hmm. I mean, I 
I didn't know hardly anybody. So he was kind of like an access point for me to get to know more people. Right. And, and I UK knew is huge. And UK, yeah, UK is massive. You almost so have to have some connections. Exactly, because you'll just uh, if you don't, you'll just kind of get eaten alive by how many people there are yeah. and just <laughs> not have any idea which direction to go. Right. And I knew Charlie ahead of time. I knew he was a really good guy, mm-hmm. and I, even though I didn't know him that well, I was like, this. Even though I don't know him, I know this would be a good thing. And now he's like one of my best friends, and I, I was the best man at his wedding, which is crazy. Yeah, I love y'all's relationship. It makes me so happy. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. So he's a huge, uh, he's a huge spiritual mentor for me. I always mm-hmm. have looked up to him both as just uh, spiritually, and even like just as a husband in his marriage. Yeah, I ended up leading that group, which was crazy because mm-hmm. I definitely did not feel like I was in the place to do that by any means. Sure. And like I said, I, I didn't feel qualified. And that's always a big fear for me is that I never want to come off as acting like I know everything because I don't. Right. <laughs> like I am so far from that. It's insane. Even when it comes to just like scriptural knowledge and everything. Yeah. I can. I know some verses. I know yeah. some. I know some good ones. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know a few good <laughs> verses. We, s- we had to memorize Bible verses in elementary school. I know, great. Th- and that's probably like a majority of what I still got left in the tank. Yeah. But <laughs> I uh, still read a lot, but I may not be able to like pull a verse out like right. out of nowhere that'll I relate to a certain situation. Like I know some people can. I will say though, when the occasion arises and you need a verse and you don't know that you know it but it's written in your heart and mm. the spirit can remind you of things that you didn't know you knew. Mm-hmm. It's happened to me before. Well, uh, that I, I will say um, that has, that ha- kind of happened to me recently where I was talking to uh, this guy and he was asking all these questions mm-hmm. uh, about Christianity and stuff. And uh, I started talking to him and I told him, I, I told him ahead of time, I don't want to come off like I know everything because I don't, I'm not even close. Right. Like uh, this is a learning process for both you and me. Yeah. And I just hope that I can help a little bit along this process for you. Sure. So I started I started pulling stuff out of places that I didn't even know were there. I love it. Like it, it and I think this is why I don't regret anything about me going to like our the school we went to yes. growing up the way I did right. because there's stuff that has been like there's a foundation there yeah. that I don't even know if I realize is there at times. Yeah of stuff that I am able to remember even mm-hmm. though I don't know that it's there. Yep. Which is really cool when the opportunity arises for that to come out, which yeah. like I said it, it happened really recently and I was like where did that come from? Yeah. Like what was that? And I get it. um so that yeah, that aspect's really cool. That's happened to me a lot and I would say just disclaimer, this is not just because his story started in high school at a Christian school doesn't mean we don't love Christian school. Like we all, me and both my brothers had very different experiences at the same Christian school, but all of us would agree that we're thankful we did get to go the opportunity to go there because even though it didn't click then necessarily for all of us, I would say for me as well, I can't speak for our oldest brother, Stephen, but for me in a similar way, that it was for you, there were things that once I kind of came into my own relationship with the Lord and I started to actually like have that intimate relationship with him where I talk to him and he actually talks to me where when it's time to like share about him or talk to him or recall things like the Holy Spirit brings things out of the depths like the I feel like it's like this huge library where there's like the back 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 room that I didn't know it was there and all of a sudden he pulls this thing out of there and I'm like oh my gosh I feel like I learned that in elementary school and now it's coming up and I need it right now for this particular situation or conversation and it's the perfect thing and it's just the Holy Spirit that's why my husband and I are so big on asking the Lord like the Holy Spirit to teach our kids while they sleep because the Holy Spirit doesn't sleep and so we're like whatever you can get in there, I don't care if they're conscious or not, their spirit is a sponge and stays with them and will soak in and someday it'll be important and someday it'll come out. So mm-hmm. I think that's super important. After you met Charlie and you you started, you know, you did this Bible study and 
felt maybe unqualified, but got a little bit deeper into it. How did that lead you into a really more personal connection with the Lord? So it was still like, it wasn't straightforward after that by any means. Sure. Because whenever that started, that was like the beginning of my freshman year. And yeah, that was good. It was a good stepping stone, I think. Sure. But it wasn't getting me as far as I feel like I really needed to get in yeah. uh, to my relationship with, with God. Because that winter rolled around and I was having all kinds of issues. I was having just some relationship issues and stuff that was really on my mind all yeah. the time. And to the point where I was losing sleep, I was super stressed about the situation 24 seven and to the point where that could have, I don't even know that could have been the cause of the health problems was how much I was stressing out about this stuff and how much anxiety I was getting from it. I'm not gonna lie. That's what I thought. It it (laughs) definitely could have been. It was very intense period and a very intense season. I mean, our family, we were all very worried about you. I remember it was just a very tough dark season and it was tough for us to know how to help you and how to be there for you because we had just came out of this kind of double life situation where we're like I don't want him to run away if I try to invest in his life and I don't want to bug him but at the same time I care so much about him how can we help without suffocating him in a way you know and having him run away again I definitely don't make it easy but um (laughs) yeah so I I, I yeah I ended up uh, that that winter winter of 2016 going on to 2017 yeah. I was so yeah I was so stressed out about this whole situation to the point where that could have been the cause of these health problems I was having all these digestive issues and I didn't know what the heck was going on I was like yeah. what is this so I just I was all over the place I ended up coming back home and uh, everything just gets even worse the point where like the stuff with the the relationship stuff i i'm like crying in front of mom at our island like which i don't i don't really cry like hardly ever right like it's very extreme scenarios when i cry because i just i just don't that often Mm -hmm. and so um i think the combination of all the relationship trauma that was going on for me and all the uh, thoughts that were going on in my head and then in combination with the health issues and I had to get that like like yeah. that endoscopy where they go and take the telescope yeah. and look at you and uh, they didn't find anything. Which and is so even more stressful. Yeah, so yeah. then I'm like, what the heck is wrong with me? Like, yeah. what is going on? I started diving more into my relationship with the Lord during that period of time because I was like, I don't know where else to go. Right. I was like, I uh, there's there's nothing else to do at this point. The doctors don't know what's wrong with me. I got to resort to the highest power I know. Yeah. And so I just, that's when I really started to dive into my prayer life, I think, a lot. Yeah. And I was praying constantly, like every day, multiple times a day, Lord, I need something. Like, give me, I, I just want some clarity or just, I, you don't even have to heal me. Just let, I want to know what's wrong. Yeah. Like, it, I was to the point where I was like, it could be really, really bad. But I wouldn't care because it's worse it, for me to not just to not know. know. Peace of mind. Yeah, I yeah. wanted. I like wanted I just need peace in the midst of the situation, some and sort whether of it's knowing what's wrong or whether it's just having a sense of pe- you just need a peace. Mm-hmm. You are searching for peace, and I think it's important to note for everybody that it wasn't you know when he got caught that he had this immediate pivot moment from like feeling like Saul to Paul on the road to Damascus night and day transformation where it was like oh no I need to turn to Jesus okay I'm back in his arms I'm good I'm a different person it was a slow turning of the ship because when you're living a double life or you're deep in in another world or other relationships that aren't supporting that there's a lot even surrounding that situation that you have to start to break down certain walls that you've built in order to get to the foundation to then start building again and to build new not walls but to build new things new landmarks and important things in your life that become the hills that you die on and the things that are important in your life and your values and your ethics and your morals and I think that's important to note because I think so many times in Christianity and in church culture, we get used to hearing these Saul to Paul movements because everybody's wanting to put on stage the person with the really big, amazing story where they had this like 
come to Jesus moment, it was like, boom, boom. And it's really powerful and it's really like tear jerking. Well, that's not real life all the time. That's majority of people do not have that type of story. Majority of people can relate with your story where it's like, okay, I had this like stoplight moment and yeah, it was like my hazards went on. Like I get it. Like I can see that I'm not in a good place. But then it takes a minute for you to actually turn the ship because the ship was going a million miles per hour in that direction. And in order to actually turn a ship in the midst of life still coming at you like waves, you have to actually take time. It's not going to be a boom. It's going to be a slow turn. So I think that's important to note. You were going through all of this, this really dark season, and you were seeking out the Lord. What were you hearing from him? Instead of trying to actually build my relationship, I was so focused on fixing whatever was wrong that I didn't actually invest as much into my relationship with God as I should have been. Right. And have that be the cause of the change versus me, my goal to change being the reason I'm coming to God. Yeah, that's that's huge. I think we get that mixed up a lot. Mm-hmm. I know I do that. I mean, even, you know, with my diagnosis with UC, it's really easy for me to, like, ask God, I need you to do this for me. I want you to do this. I want this. I want, like, I want, I want, I want, instead of I want you and I trust you to do what's best for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to ask you because I'm. it says to approach the throne confidently And so I'm going to approach the throne confidently and ask because you tell me to, but I'm not going to have these expectations on how you're going to do it or what you're going to do because that's all about me and it's not about you. When that happened, um, I stopped thinking so much about what was wrong. And when I stopped thinking so much about what was wrong, I didn't really notice it that much. Hmm. And so it, it just channeling my focus on something else kind of took my focus off all these little problems and stuff I was having and I'm trying to think when the uh I don't know when the kind of like the next turning point was yeah um but after after all that happened uh, I would say I got to a point where uh, kind of over the next two years I was still kind of like in an I wouldn't say an active pursuit. I'd say kind of a passive pursuit of where, which I don't even know if you could call that a pursuit at all, but it was like, I wasn't doing anything too crazy. I wasn't like going off the rails. You're coasting. I was coasting. Exactly. So I was like, I was going to church. I was doing all, I was doing all the right stuff. I was almost kind of, (laughs) I was by choice doing exactly what I was doing when I was growing up, going to like CHCA and doing, going to church and doing all these things. Just no one was telling you to. You yeah. were just doing it because you thought you should. And I was like, yeah, because I just thought it was the right thing to do. And yeah. it, uh, it just, it's good on paper. Right. And so uh, I was doing all that, but it, there was no active pursuit. And then I think the next milestone that happened was when I went to that college camp, which was set up through UK and Crossroads. Yeah. That was, that was one of just the craziest experiences of my life. And I, I talked to you a little bit about this. It oh, was yeah. like the mash tent setup yeah. that they had. Sure. I, I would say like my pursuit for a relationship with God was like climbing a little bit before this happened. Like sure. it was it was starting to get a little more intense and the pursuit was getting to be more and more. I was getting more involved with the church. I was getting building a better community. I was learning how to open up and be vulnerable with friends of mine that I had never really experienced before. Right. That was all just making everything so much better. I was getting into such a better place. I got to camp, and um, I still have these, like, lingering stomach issues going on. Right. At that time, they were still – it was frustrating because it just – it had been two years, and I just didn't feel like anything was happening. And I – like, every now and then – and I'm sure you have this, is like, like when it comes to any sort of health ailment that lingers, is that – there's a lot of really highs and lows. You get really excited about progress, oh and yeah. then the bottom can drop out real then quick. Then it can just, yeah, you can just, yep. it's it's horrible. I get it. And so that was kind of happening through that period of time, and I was getting so stinking frustrated. And yeah. so I wasn't even originally going to go to the mash tent and have prayer because yeah. it was just, I don't know, I was cynical probably, yeah. and I just didn't want to, I didn't want to do this. 
Yeah. And, and, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, because I would say this about myself, and I, I don't really know why this is the case, but I find this is the case a lot, especially with people who have physical ailments. Do you find that it's easier to pray for others' physical ailments than your own? Um, that's a really good question. Um, honestly, yeah, because yeah. I think it's really easy, and no pun intended, to lose hope. Because you keep getting so excited about progress, and yep. then yeah, the, and then the bottom falls. The out. wind takes you get the wind taken out of your sails like every week. It feels like, and you feel like you need to start preparing for it because it's so every time your your heart drops, yeah, and your hope starts to feel like, oh, okay, I thought yeah. we were here. So next time I think we're here, should I give myself a little prep so I don't fall so far or so hard? Mm -hmm. I get well, it. and I think that was I was getting to the point where I had basically lost hope on any sort of healing yeah. at this point because uh i was tired of getting excited and having hope that i was on a good track to be healed but that was putting me in a vulnerable state to be hurt if it didn't end up actually being real healing and if it was just kind of like a band-aid right at the time so i uh yeah i ended up getting convinced to go to the mash tent and um, that was when, that was like probably the first supernatural experience I have ever witnessed firsthand or like to anybody else. It, it, the amount of healing and stuff that was going on there was insane. Yeah. It was like, it was freaking me out, to be honest. <laughs> I love that. It's awesome. And uh, so I go up there, total random guy pulls me over and he's like, what are you looking like? What do you want to pray for? Like, what, what, what do you want? And um, I was like, well, I, uh, I want prayer for healing. I, I've had uh, some health issues over the past few years. Um, I've been really frustrated, and um, I prayed for healing, but I, it just, I've kind of given up on the whole thing. And uh, the guy's like, all right, we're going we're gonna to see if we can get you healed. And uh, I was like, okay, that's a little optimistic, but all right. <laughs> So he he puts his hand on my shoulder and he um he kind of just it, I, it was almost weird he's like kind of feeling me out a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> okay. And, I, and so I'm like what is he doing? And he goes, "Okay, I don't know like I don't this is something that I just kind of think I'm getting and I'm hearing is whatever your health ailment, it doesn't have to do with your gut." He's like, "Gut is what I keep getting." Mm. And I was like, y "Oh yeah." Yes, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, you are on the money. Oh my gosh! And so uh, he said that that freaked me out because I didn't tell him that. Right. I just said I was having health issues. Right. I did not specify. And he goes, "Yeah, I'm just getting gut." And I was like, "Okay, well, freak out number one, check." And then <laughs> he starts to pray, and he's like. I'm going to do this. He's like, I'm going to put my hand on your stomach. I want to put it on the area where the issue is. Mm -hmm. And he starts praying. I can't even, I cannot remember one aspect of that prayer at all because I was so thrown off by what was happening. I was like, I had chills. I was like shivering. But at the same time, when his hand was on my stomach, it felt like it was on fire. Like I like borderline unbearable. That is what we call the manifest presence of God. Oh, that's amazing. It was. It, I had never been so, like, it wasn't. I was scared yeah. because I didn't know what was happening. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, something's happening. So, so that's this, exciting. So this is great. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So I'm just gonna roll with Bring the punches and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so he. Uh, he ends up finishing the prayer, and uh, I was feeling I was feeling pretty good. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if it worked, but whatever just happened has never happened to me before. <laughs> yeah. And so, even if it didn't work, I'm still weirded out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then like another one of my buddies comes down, and like you just see people walking down the steps because the way they had it set up, they actually had it set up in like an elevated loft. Wow. And there were a bunch of tables, and people were just going to each individual, and so every person who came down the stairs after it looked like they just saw I, I don't even know what to say like their Google. eyes were yeah. all just wide open like what just happened to me like they just saw the Lord amazing like just like what is happening <laughs> and uh, 
my friend comes up to me and he goes, dude, he's like, what was that? And I was like, what do you mean? What happened? And he goes, dude, they started telling me stuff that I'm, I haven't told anybody. He's like, I, they're wow. telling me stuff about like my family and like, he's like, how do they know that? Mm. Like, and so he's like, I'm, he's like, I was up there crying. He's like, I don't <laughs> know what's, he's like, I don't, I started tearing up. I don't know what's going on. I'm freaking out. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, all these people were having these supernatural experiences. There was another kid who, uh, I think he had like shoulder surgery, said his shoulder was never going to be the same. Wow. He couldn't even do one push up, and he had prayer, and he's like, you know what? My shoulder's feeling pretty good. Goes and busts out 20 push ups. That's wild. Out of That's nowhere. so cool. So I'm like, this is for real. So I'm getting to witness all these supernatural stuff happening. Yeah. And that's that helped ignite the fire even more mm -hmm. for wanting to really dive real. in. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that was a huge turning point. And so that was that period of time was probably honestly the most I've ever been involved with the church and had like a really good community yeah. and everything. And um, it was just a really great time in my life. I'd say that junior year of college was one of the best years of my life. And I built a lot of really good new relationships that year, too. I, I have to agree with that because I noticed a massive, massive change in you after that camp experience. Because I remember you coming home and telling me about it. And then all of a sudden it was like you just were on fire for mm -hmm. the Lord. Like everything changed through your demeanor, the way you interacted with all of us, the way you interacted with my kids. Everything mm -hmm. changed for the better. It was amazing. Um, but I, I think it's really cool how the thing that actually lit on fire. And I love that you said fire because mm -hmm. that's really specific to this Holy spirit uh, in scripture and just in life is warmth is really related with the Holy spirit and the presence of the manifest presence of God and in scripture. And so it talks about, you know, the Holy spirit being like a fire. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really cool that you say that ignited the fire. And I think that's why the scripture also says that we should all desire the gift of prophecy because that's sometimes what makes it real for people is that intimate knowledge. God loves us so much that he would tell somebody else something so personal about us, not embarrassing, but personal so that we can feel known and know that he's an intimate God, that we're not just another one of the dots on this earth. We are a very specific, intricately created person for relationship with him. That's the whole point. He just literally wants to love us. So I love that you said it that way. Cause I think that's kind of makes everything come full circle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, seeing that, that whole, that whole thing manifest into somebody that you don't know at yeah. all. And they start telling you stuff about yourself that you've never told them. Yeah. It's just, it's freaky. And so, it's crazy. but seeing all that stuff, yeah, it, it was, it was so cool. It was amazing. That was like one of the best, uh, I guess, I don't know if you'd call it just like ministry experience or like, uh, yeah, yeah so, something like that, um, that I'd ever had. Yeah. And I think it was because I not only got to witness so much of this supernatural stuff going on to all these different people and people being healed left and right. And uh, and then it happening to me firsthand. Yeah. And uh, that was also the same year that like I, I ended up meeting two of my like two of my other closest friends mm -hmm. um, who have also I would say are like extremely integral parts to why or the reason that I want to continue to pursue a relationship with God uh, even more. And yeah. um, and that's so important. Talk for a minute. Just touch on the subject real quick of like why it's important to have to be surrounded by people that are spurring you on towards a relationship with the Lord. Not that all of your friends have to be Christians, not that you only have to hang out with Christians. That's like that's not even Jesus. Mm -hmm. But to have your your closest 12, or your closest besties, the people that you spend the most time with, that you invest the most in and that invest the most in you. Why is that important that they like in your life? Why has that been important for you? Well, I mean, I, I think for everyone, everyone's a product of the people they spend the most time around. Yeah. And so um, you kind of start to embody a lot of the same characteristics as those people. Right. Yeah. So like having that core knit be people that you are willing to be vulnerable with 
who hold you accountable, who challenge you, and mm-hmm. will call you out if you're dropping the ball for some reason in yeah. some whatever area that is. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's so helpful to have that because there's a lot of like activity based relationships yep. and a lot of these surface level relationships that sure. can make up a lot of like people's friends like their entire totally. friend group they won't have that the aspect of being able to be vulnerable like as and it, yeah. i think this happens a lot with guys oh especially yeah. yeah um because of the fear of judgment and that you're supposed to be this tough uh guy's guy who yep. never shows weakness they're just a bro yeah and go exactly. play football you know and so and ironically these guys that I'm now friends with, they're like that. Like, they're guys, guys. They're very yeah. manly men. Yeah. But at One the of them's a freaking SEAL, right? <laughs> well, yeah, he's in the Army. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's he's for real. Awesome. Um, and he's awesome. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, one of the toughest dudes you will ever see on paper. Mm-hmm. And in real life, he's just a big, strong guy. Yeah. I had so many moments with him specifically, too. This is, like, right when we started to really get to know each other. When yeah. We both started living together yeah we would have conversations out on the on our front deck for yeah. hours for like l- i would say literally four or five hours awesome. and that would happen like multiple times a week wow and um just it, w- it was just us being real just wow. talking about the struggles that are going on in our lives what mm-hmm. being being open and being vulnerable and not being worried about the other person being like oh god you like do that or yeah like this or well and i think it's important too in the aspect of having your closest knit friends and the people you spend the most time with being people that will spur you on towards hope and towards the lord because if not i think that's been one of the most beneficial things in my friendships as well is um, having people that will speak truth into you that's not just their truth or that's not just your truth, because the truth of my matter may be that um, I'm in a really crappy situation. Sure, maybe. Or like, you know, life just feels really crappy right now. But the the truth, God's truth, is that life is a gift and it's not the end and all of those things, you know. So having someone to keep you from being the highest power in your life and to keep you from being the highest form of intelligence in your life and vice versa, I think is absolutely irreplaceable, priceless. Yeah, it's amazing. A- and, like, it's just so different from anything. Like I said, when I was in high school, I, I never had anything like that. I didn't feel like yeah. I could be vulnerable or talk to anybody about any of my issues. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, being able to make friends like that, it I, I tell everybody I have the best friends in the world, and I will wear, I will take that to the grave because they are incredible. I could awesome. not talk more highly of them. And like I said, they, they encourage me. They want what's best for me, vice versa. And they're always, I feel like, pushing me to be better. That's everything. So. Well, I'm so happy for you, Sean. I'm so happy that you finally found a group of friends that can spur you on to that type of relationship. I'm mm-hmm. so happy that you feel like now you can live freely and openly and live in peace because you know that, you know, your life is rooted in peace now. Mm-hmm. So what would you say your spiritual life looks like right now? With the Lord. Um, full transparency. So I, right now, and th- this was like a huge piece for me that I wanted to make sure I didn't come off as like knowing all, uh, knowing everything right. or being, saying I'm in a perfect state right now. Right. Because I don't think I am. For example, like I don't think I've made, and, and I've talked to you a lot about this, um, mm-hmm. actually prioritizing the church a yeah. ton. Mm-hmm. That's been probably my biggest lacking point right now. Right. Um, I think and you know I'm not all about being, like, in a building because my mm-hmm. husband and I have done house church. We've done all the different things. It's not about the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I, like, having that aspect, I mean, even just dedicating time to having, like, worship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, like, I've I've been doing, like, my men's group that yeah. I do on Tuesdays. Um, that's been relatively inconsistent, too. Yeah. So uh, I definitely don't feel like it's been a huge priority as of late. I think, I don't know, the season that I'm in, uh, the biggest thing for that I've been doing is I've been spending more time in prayer probably than ever before. Yeah. 
I think that's the most important part. Yeah, I think that's my primary outlet, and I mean, it's a direct line to be able to yeah. speak to God. That's your relation. That's the s- that's the essence of your relationship. Exactly, and so I I think I prioritize that more than pretty much anything. Awesome. That and I think a lot of the community aspect and um, mm-hmm. talking to my friends kind of about where I'm at. I think I think next goal, like right now, is to try and find a church where I really feel like I can dive into more than nitty gritty when i was when i got to witness the supernatural yeah that was what really started that's when everything started firing that was when right. i was like this is amazing this is so cool yeah and so i wanted to learn more about that and i felt like like even just gifts like spiritual gifts yeah i've never even gone to any service where they really talk about it in depth true and dive into that it's not common Exactly. Yeah, especially anymore. And I think that's because they don't want to, a lot of churches don't want to freak people out. Yeah. And I would venture to say, majority of churches these days are seeker friendly. Majority. Yeah. yeah if 100%. you want to go to a non denominational church, majority of them are seeker friendly. And then they'll offer classes like randomly here or there to like help you go deeper. Yeah. But it's not the norm. Yeah. But I, I think I want like long term to find a church that really starts to dive into that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, because I, I've been I've been going to churches that I feel like I'm hearing a very similar service yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, not that it's bad. I, that, I mean, sure. it's not like they're talking about anything that I disagree with by any means. Yeah. But and I the Lord can speak through the same verse a different way yeah. every day of your life. Yeah. You know, exactly. essentially. And a different, it could be a different pastor who's sure. inter- who interprets something a little bit different, but yeah. could still be equally as right as the person who explained it last time. Yeah, it's just a different way of seeing it. So right now, I think trying to find a church. I'd say you're in pursuit mode. Yeah. Again, kind of. I think we go back and forth between pursuit, receiving, and replicating. Mm-hmm. I think you're also in a replicating season because like, the Lord has placed you in situations of really being able to share your faith, which is what this podcast is based on first Peter three fifteen, which is always be prepared to share your hope mm-hmm. in the Lord and the reason for your hope. And I think that's something that the Lord's challenging you in right now. So that's one another reason I wanted to have you on the podcast because I feel like that's somewhere the Holy Spirit is leading you mm-hmm. at this point in your life into really invest reinvesting in other people. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like he's been pouring into you for years and years and years. And I've gotten to watch that and now it's it's grown so much inside of you that you have so much fruit to replicate mm-hmm. with, and he's trusting you with that. So yeah. it's fun to watch. Yeah, I, I, I think, it, at least at this time in my life, I will tell everybody this. I am the luckiest person on the face of the planet, and it's it's either luck or it's the Lord's favor. It's the grace of God. It is. It's ridiculous The over the last year what has taken place in my life when it comes to just I don't know being able to get to a spot where I'm not necessarily content but I am at peace I'm at peace exactly Mm -hmm. I'm at peace with where I'm at in my job and people I'm surrounded by my community yeah I feel like I've I've had some of the best relationship I've had with you guys with like you mom yeah like I talk to I talk to you and mom like every day (laughs) (laughs) basically and i love it it has been the most beautiful relationship development in the past couple years of my life i'm just so thankful for i wouldn't i would not replace it for anything i'm just so thankful yeah it's awesome and i think it was because when i was here for that year i wasn't happy like i wasn't it wasn't that i was unhappy i just wasn't i did not like where i was at and i felt like i was kind of in a rut yeah and so i was just once again, I was isolated again, and then yeah. Um, now I'm, I'm just so happy with. I feel like the direction my life's going in, that it makes it really easy. It makes it a lot easier for me to connect with other people right. after it seems like I haven't been for a while. Right, I get that. So, thank you for sharing your story. It's so encouraging, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be really encouraging for a lot of people. Really challenging, and really relatable for mm-hmm. a lot of people because your story is a very realistic story of a journey towards Jesus Mm -hmm. instead of just like that one moment you're one way the next moment you're the you're Mm -hmm. another you know it's more of a realistic growth period 
Uh, so a couple final questions that we always ask in the podcast is one, when you are going through your most hopeless moments, either in that first really dark season or the second really dark season, was there a word, a phrase, um, a word of wisdom or like a scripture that you held on to during that time that kind of pulled you through in a way? I think scripture, Matthew six thirty three through 34. Okay. Um, and that's, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Mm. I, I'm a big time worrier all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I can't avoid it. Sure. And I never, I never feel like I can avoid it. But that mm-hmm. verse is one that I can always look at and be like, you know, it's another day. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're fine. Your Lord's got you taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've leaned on that verse a lot. I love that. that I feel like time. it can take you out of micro view into a macro view real quick. Yeah. And usually when we start to worry, it's because we're stuck in this micro perspective mm-hmm. and we need to be pulled out. And sometimes those external verses or the Lord will just pull us out by being like, hey, I got it. I'm yep. over it all. I'm here. So the next question I have is, do you have a hope hero? Someone that you look up to, admire. It can be anyone that if you had an opportunity to take a piece of their hope or walk in, in their hope for a minute, who would that be for you? I, I would say mom. Yeah. I Legitimately. Mom has like, her level of, I don't know, it's a combination of hope and faith. Yeah. Or at least that I see mm-hmm. is insane. I have to agree. Like, I, the, the amount that, I don't, even, I don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. But, because d- it's not like, it's not blind. It's not blind hope yeah. or blind faith. It's bullheaded faith. It is. <laughs> it's crazy. It is. It's insane. I know. And I don't, like, I struggle with that. Yeah. Because I just, I don't like, I want to be hopeful. Yeah. But I, I struggle with it because of the times that I've been hopeful in the past and then it didn't, whatever it was that I was hopeful for, it didn't pan out the way that I had hoped it would. Mm -hmm. She's really good at walking by faith, not by sight. Because many times we define our faith by what we've seen or experienced. Mm -hmm. And she's really good about doing the opposite. Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of the reason why we butt head so much yep. is that we I'm <laughs> so different I'm so the opposite yeah and I, it's honestly I wish I wasn't yeah I don't want to be like that and I I, it's something that I have prayed about a lot that I can mm-hmm. have more faith and ha- have more hope without being so worried about what's going to come if what I hope for doesn't pan out right yeah I would say mom a hundred percent I totally get I don't that. think it's even close yeah <laughs> I totally get it's that crazy. I love that so the final thing that I want to ask you is if you could for a second say one thing or a couple sentences or w- whatever you want to someone who is maybe sitting where you were in one of those two dark seasons that you were in, either they're living a double life and they don't know how to get out or they're in deep and they're feeling like, oh, I wish I could just be seen and known and celebrated for who I am. Or they're in this place of, you know, nothing's going right. I feel rejected. I feel hurt. I feel like everything, my world is caving in on me. Like what would you say to them to plant a seed of hope in their life right now? I I would say one, find somebody that you can be a hundred percent open and a hundred percent honest with that can be God. And it should be, I think. Yeah. Cause like I said, I think one of the biggest turning points for me was the friendships that Mm -hmm. I built. Right. And at least from yeah, from my perspective, being able to feel like I can be open and vulnerable with people um, versus having to feel like I'm hiding or I'm closed off and isolating myself. Not to be corny, but right. I mean, just be honest. <laughs> yeah. It's just, give them your advice. Of like, it's just better to be honest because it's better to be known than to... Mm. It's better to sure. to sin in public than in private. If you're going to do it, at least be honest mm-hmm. because then you can be helped. You can't be helped if you're in private, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and, and you're stressful. also going to feel you'll never feel seen and you'll never feel truly known. Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard place to be because our deepest core desire, every human that has been made by God, every single human's deepest desire is to be seen, known, and loved. Mm-hmm. And in order to be fully loved, you have to be fully known. Otherwise, you're only going to be loved for the things that you're showing. Mm-hmm. 
because you you won't let anyone get to know you. Yeah, yeah, you're missing out on being able to be yourself. Yeah. Uh, in high school, I the person I was in high school was a totally different person than I am in college. I would like have even to agree. Y- Polar just personality, demeanor, everything, how yeah. I carry myself. Right. It's totally different. In high school, I was an insecure, like little boy. <laughs> yeah. And now, now I most feel like are. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. most are, but yeah, um, there's grace for that. And now, I think I'm not fully secure in myself. I'm working on it. Okay. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. I'm trying. That's good. Um, but a lot more than I was. Yeah, I think being able to just be myself and not feel like I'm going to be judged by anyone. And yeah. now that I have such a good core-knit group that I love to spend time with, if I'm, I, I feel no reason to not be myself, even if I'm around people I don't know, because I got my, I got my squad. That's right. And you got your sister. And I got my sister. Hey. Yeah. Any better than that. Yeah. I love it. So. I am so thankful that our God is a God of rescue and renewal. He plucked Sean right out of a place of secrecy and self-destruction by nothing other than his mercy and grace. And he led him straight into a life of peace, rooted in identity and healthy relationships. I count my own relationship with him as one of the greatest blessings of my life. If you are feeling the strain of living inauthentically and you don't know where to turn, Jesus is a great start. He came not to simply modify our behavior, but to reveal who we truly are to our core. Next week, we are hitting a tough topic where we will be discussing how to have hope in the midst of church hurt. How do we handle brokenness in the church when the church is where we say, pray, and expect on earth as it is in heaven, and it begins looking and feeling less and less heavenly? How do we respond? We will cover that and more next week on the podcast. Until then, don't lose hope.